Welcome to What Christians Should Know, hosted by Dr. Elijah Sadoffel. This podcast equips you with clarity and meaningful answers about God, the Bible, and your Christian life. Now, here's Dr. Sadoffel. All right, everyone, good morning. I would invite you to turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 10. I'll give you a moment, and then we'll get started. Romans chapter 1, verse 10. All right, let's stand to pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the opportunity to gather as one, to sit under your word, and to learn from your inerrant, infallible truth. We ask you now, O Lord, to be with us, to open our hearts, to open our eyes, and allow the physical words that we hear today to be implanted in the good soil that it will bear fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. Without your help, divine spirit, we are lost, and we are utterly dependent on your light and your strength. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Romans chapter 1, verse 10, Paul writes to his original audience and says, I make mention of you, at end of verse 9, verse 10, always in my prayers making request, if perhaps now, at last by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. So in verse number 10, Paul talks about the reality that he's always in his prayers making requests. And today we're going to be talking about prayer. And last time where we left off, we essentially defined prayer. We said it's an outward expression of inward faith. Prayer is the language of creaturely dependence, where a creature that realizes their utter dependency on God prays to the Creator on whom they are dependent. So now we're going to get down, get into the uh, mechanics and the anatomy of what prayer actually is. So last time I mentioned that prayer is a member of the Holy Trinity of practical Christian living. And here's the first point we're going to make today. That prayer is essential. The Holy Trinity of practical Christian living is prayer Bible study and fasting. Prayer, Bible study, and fasting. And when I say the Holy Trinity of Christian living, we made the point last time that in the natural world, we do natural things to nourish and sustain our natural life, like breathing, like drinking, like eating food. Prayer now is going to be an intimate time that we spend in the Holy Spirit where we're now actually breathing in and being inspired by 
God's divine illumination and having personal, intimate communication with God, we are being invigorated, animated, inspired, and drawn closer and closer, step by step and day by day, to our Heavenly Father. Prayer is in fact so essential that we said Jesus during his public ministry stopped doing good. He stopped performing miracles. He stopped speaking to people. He stopped performing exorcisms in order to go to a secluded place by himself and to pray. And if God in the flesh regarded prayer as that important, that essential, that only now highlights how much more important it is for you and I. So prayer is number one essential. Prayer is going to be number two personal. Prayer that is personal simply refers to the idea that it's going to be a personal communication between you and God. Other people are going to pray for you. You're going to pray for other people. But at the end of the day, it's going to be everyone's personal, individual responsibility to pray to their maker each and every day. Because at the end of the day, we're never going to rely on someone else or another group of people to pray for, to pray for us. Every Christian is there and called to have their own personal, individual, dedicated, private prayer time each and every day. That's number two. Number three, prayer is active. When I say prayer is active, I not only mean that the prayer itself is going to be lively, energetic. The prayer itself is not going to be simply regurgitation or going over something that you read on paper. Not only is the act of prayer itself active, our responsibility in our Christian life doesn't end with prayer, meaning we pray about something we ask God for help, we ask God for his mercy, and then we do, right? We're never disconnected from reality where we stay in a spiritual prayer space and then pray about something, but then leave it alone in real life. We begin with God, we begin with prayer, which now animates action, which now animates effectual doing in real life. This is what Robert Haldane writes in his book, an exposition of the Epistle to the Romans, quote, Prayer and labor ought to go together. To pray without laboring is to mock God. To labor without prayer is to rob God of his glory, end quote. We pray first, essentially realizing we are dependent upon God to secure his mercies, to secure his strength. But our work therein doesn't end there. We then use that dedicated prayer time to now lead us and guide us and now do in real life by faith knowing that God by his grace will give us the strength and the resources to do his work. Because guess what? If we do without praying, what does that make us? 
not saved, right? That's what the world does. The world essentially decides, this is what I'm going to do, this is, what I, this is what my plans are, and they do without a consideration, without first speaking to and relying on God. And as Christians, we know, in order for anything that we do to be meaningful, in order for anything that we do to be substantial, it must have God's blessing. Because if we don't have God's blessing, what's going to happen? We fail. We may fail as a function of natural circumstances, and we may fail because God may actually cause us to fail. Because by his grace, he wants to open our eyes to reveal to us that no man is an island and we are not sovereign, being the captains of our own ship. Prayer is what properly directs Christian service because when God, through prayer, is inside of you, when you're breathing in God and you, your, your spiritual blood now is now saturated in God, everything now that's going to come out of you is godly. That's the point. So we spend time with God first, and then we do, but then even more than that, that's just the initiation of whatever we do in our Christian lives to be maintained and to not grow weary and to make sure we have the strength to do what God has called us to do. We are invigorated and strengthened by prayer because without prayer, we will not have strength to run the race, we'll suffer from fatigue, resistance, bitterness, anger, criticism, self-pity, and sooner or later, we're going to become miserable, we're going to isolate ourselves, and we're going, to become, we're going to begin dishonoring God and entering into sin. So prayer is very, very active. Prayer is also learned. Now, I say prayer is learned, and just so we all know, I have seven things of what prayer is here, but this list is not all-inclusive. This kind of just gives everyone the, the highlights. So prayer is learned. What do I mean by that? What I mean is, in the New Testament, Jesus' disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. You know what Jesus did? He taught them immediately. There was no parable. There was no high theological discussion. They asked a simple question, and Jesus began reciting what is commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer, meaning the disciples wanted to know how to pray, and Jesus therein taught them, telling us, that no one just starts praying any old way. There's actually a method, there's actually a means, there's actually a biblical pattern we can follow that tells us how we are to pray biblically. Now, everyone knows the Lord's Prayer, our Father with art in heaven, et cetera, et cetera. Which, by the way, as I always tell people, that's not the real Lord's Prayer. Technically speaking, that's the disciples' prayer. When the disciples asked the Lord, how do we pray? Jesus said, this is how you pray. But the real Lord's prayer is the prayer that the Lord made to the Lord. Jesus made to the Father, John 17. So, the Lord's prayer tells us that prayer is 
learned. Someone tell me, is there a book in the Bible above all others that teaches us how to pray? Psalms. Good. Why? Exactly. The book of Psalms overall is a collection of prayers. It gives us a format. It gives us language. It gives us um, spirit-inspired language that servants of God used to pray and to communicate to God. So one of the, when, we, when we now realize that prayer is learned, one of the first things someone wants to know is, when I pray to God, what do I say? That's an excellent question, because no one knows what to say. If you're going to meet the Queen of England tomorrow, or President Donald Trump, or the UN Secretary General, you need to be coached on what to say, on how to conduct yourself properly. And if we need to know that in speaking to a person, how much more do we need language to speak to God? Thankfully, God helps us. And he gives us an entire book of prayers. So prayer is learned. Now I know for a fact, this church has learned the acronym ACTS before, at least half a dozen times. And the acronym ACTS teaches us how to pray. Someone tell me what does that acronym mean, ACTS? Okay, the acronym ACTS is based on the disciples' prayer and the Psalms. Now that we know that prayer is learned, the question now is, if we want to make our lives simple and take instruction from the Bible on how to pray, what's a model, what's a, a, a blueprint we can use? And that's where the acronym ACTS comes from, which stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. So prayer is learned. What's a good way to learn how to pray? The book of Psalms. What does the book of Psalms tell us? That one method, one blueprint on how we learn how to pray is to follow the acronym ACTS, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. Which means, if you look at the disciples' prayer in the book of Psalms, in general, what all the Psalms tend to include are components of adoration or praising God, exalting Him. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars thou hast ordained. That's someone literally looking up to heaven and glorifying God. Confession, someone confessing they are a sinner and they have committed now sins, asking God for forgiveness, Psalm 51. Thanksgiving, basically having an attitude of gratitude and expressing outward thanks 
for what God has done, Psalm 9, 1 to 2, and then there's supplication, simply making requests of God. Now, since we now have a backbone or a blueprint of how to pray, ACTS, if we use the book of Psalms as our roadmap on how we should pray, where does the psalmist spend the most amount of time? In A, in C, in T, or in S? In A, in adoration, in glorifying, in praising, and exalting God. Because here's now the switch where, where we grow in our understanding of God's word. People tend to think of prayer as one-sided, that it's simply something we do to ask God for stuff. But then when we realize that God doesn't actually need prayer, God ordained prayer as a means, as something for us to do. And before God changes anything in the world around us, who he changes first is us. So, with that understanding, we then begin to realize that prayer now is not a means where we just get where we want in life. It's not transactional, it's transformative. And the first person it transforms is me. The first person transforms is you. And any God-glorifying, Christ-exalting prayer you're going to find in the Bible, it spends the most amount of time in adoration. Because I keep going back over this point. Why were we made? What's the point of our lives? To blank God. To glorify God. Isaiah 43, 7. Guess what? That still doesn't change in prayer. Which means, even in prayer, the ultimate aim, the primary focus, is the glory of God. Because guess what, church? When you begin spending your most amount of time adoring God, that's going to transform your confession. That's going to transform your giving thanks to God. And that's also going to transform what you're making supplications for. The reality is, someone who gets saved right now who's been saved for 30 seconds, their prayers are going to be radically different than someone who's been with God for 40, 50 years and has been through some stuff. Because when they're engaging in prayer, one of the members of the Holy Trinity of Practical Christian Living, they're going to be transformed from inside out. So the, the person who's a babe in Christ is going to do a lot of supplicating. Whereas the person who is an old person in Christ is going to do a lot of adoration. Because the person who's been with God for a long time realizes, Lord, I don't really want what I want anymore. I simply want to honor and glorify you. Praise God more. Ask for stuff less. So prayer is learned. Prayer is also proactive. What do I mean by that? Here's what sin does. Sin focuses all of your attention on the self. Sin distances you and separates you from God. 
Sin wants carnal, fleshly desires to triumph, and sin tries to crucify and destroy godly desires. What does prayer do? The exact opposite. If I were to use uh, medical terminology now, it's almost as if prayer gives us a spiritual defense system where it maintains the integrity and the robustness of our spiritual nature and acts as a defense, acts as a safeguard against everything fleshly and carnal. Because the more time you spend with God, guess what? The more godly you're going to be. Your godly desires will increase for faith, for obedience, for holiness. That will now enable you to crucify the desires of the flesh and your overall drive or passion to do God's will will actually be more and more robust. Prayer not only augments our godly desires, it increases the yearning to serve others and focuses attention on God, which is the exact opposite of sin. So prayer is proactive. Prayer is also Progressive. Prayer being progressive simply means the more you do it, the more effective you are. The more you do it, the more natural it becomes. The more you do it, the closer and closer your prayers become to the prayers God seeks for you to make, which is why in the Bible it says, the prayers of a righteous person accomplishes much. Why? Because the more you pray, the more you do it, and the closer and closer your heart is to that of God's will, when God now sees one of his servants praying for what his will is anyway, guess what now happens? Now the requests that person makes are going to be answered and all the other things they do, adoration, confession, and thanksgiving will transform them to a higher and higher degree to become more and more like Jesus Christ. So prayer is progressive, meaning you get better at it and they're more effective as time moves on. Prayer is also going to be challenging. Prayer is going to be challenging. Challenging. What do I mean by that? Meaning, as we've already established, a born-again person has two natures, a spiritual nature and a fleshly nature. If you tell me that each and every day you get up, you jump out of bed, and you say, yes, I get to pray, you're lying. You are lying. <laughs> Prayer is challenging, meaning there are some days you just don't want to be bothered. You say, I, I got up late, I don't want to pray, I don't want to pray for grace, I want to pray for wrath, I, I'm grumpy, I'm tired, I don't want to be bothered. Prayer is challenging, that is the point, that is the real life honest reality of having a spiritual and a fleshly nature in real life, but prayer now is what grows the spiritual nature 
So the fleshly side of us that's resistant to and does not want to pray step by step and day by day fades away. So that over time now, someone genuinely and honestly wants to pray. They have something pulling at their heartstrings and they want to go in their prayer closets because they actually don't feel right if they don't pray. Their entire day is going to be disordered. And prayer is challenging because we literally have to wrestle to pray because that's just part of the normal growth of sanctification in the Christian life. We begin with a hostility to it and then step by step and day by day it becomes more natural and habitual. Prayer is challenging also because sometimes our prayers seem not to work. Sometimes our prayers seem like God isn't listening. This is what J. Oswald Sanders says in Effective Prayer, quote, it is easy to become a fatalist in reference to prayer. It is easier to regard unanswered prayer as the will of God than to reason out the causes of defeat, end quote. So prayer is not only challenging because sometimes it's practically hard to execute it, it's hard to keep on doing it because it often seems like God is not listening. And going back to Paul now in Romans chapter 1, verse 10, we know prayer is challenging because what was Paul praying for in verse 10? He says, Always in my prayers making request, if perhaps now at last by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. Meaning the Apostle Paul was praying to God, saying, God, I want to go to the church in Rome and minister to them. And guess what? That prayer request was denied. That's challenging, especially when now he wanted to do something godly. He wanted to do something which clearly fell within his godly calling, but by whatever means, God blocked him. The text does not say how Paul knew him going to Rome was against the will of God. The text is silent, so we can't presume. All we do know, there's a challenge in prayer in that even for good things, God can oftentimes say no. So prayer is challenging. I'm going to close today with a question, which we're going to answer fully next time. Question to the class. And the question is this. Well, first preliminary question. Is God sovereign? Okay. So God is in complete total control. Okay. If God is sovereign, why do we pray? Why do we pray? What's the point? We all agree God is in complete and total control, right? Nothing happens if God doesn't sovereignly decree it. Yay and amen. So then, if God is sovereign, then why do we pray? Say it again. He does want our will involved, but why do we pray? He can reveal his desire in his word, which then still begs the question, why prayer? 
you can communicate with God, but that still doesn't answer the question, if God is sovereign, what's the point of praying? What's the purpose? Yes. We do. We do need God's help. But why do we need prayer to do it? And here's the answer. There's a simple answer and a more robust answer, which I'll explain later. Church, we pray because God said to pray. <laughs> right? Right? Simple, right? Right? We pray because the sovereign God of the universe said, when you pray. So now we know God has sovereignly decreed that we ought to pray. And here's now is the simple answer, which I'll expand on next week. God is sovereign, yes. So now why do we pray? And the answer is, is because God is a God of means, meaning his sovereign will is never frustrated, but God has sovereignly ordained that the means by which things change in life is by prayer. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes us because God has so God is not detached from our reality where he does things in heaven and never touches life here on earth. That's why Jesus incarnated and lived and died on a cross and ate and actually traveled places because God is a God of means. And the means by which God changes us and things is prayer. Any questions? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray to you now with a greater understanding and clarity of not only you, but of what prayer is intended to accomplish. That we pray to you, O Lord, not only before and after our lesson, and we pray to you daily each and every day of our lives, not to get things or to make requests, but to be transformed, O Lord, to be more like you. That our characters and the words that subsequently come out of those characters are closer and closer and are in greater alignment with your gracious sovereign will. We ask you, O Lord, by your sovereign will to transform us daily by the means of prayer, that you will transform us into bold prayer warriors, that all the desires of our heart will match your heavenly divine will and you will use us, O Lord, as the means by which your will is executed in everyday life. In the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more valuable resources, including a bookstore and online Bible study, visit wcsk.org.